checking in with Mike Williams from the LA Chargers, and you're tuning in to Chargers Unleashed. Welcome to another edition of Chargers Unleashed. Jake After and Dale Wolkenstein here with you from the LA Football Network. Today's show, of course, being brought to you by Bet Online, Aura, Athletic Greens, Mint Mobile, and Rock Solid Sports Memorabilia. If this is your first time tuning in the show, make sure to hit that like and subscribe button on YouTube. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Dan Wolkenstein. Not as smooth as an outing as it was for the Los Angeles Chargers as it was on week one. Ups and downs, lessons learned. Currently, as we are recording this show right now, the Chargers are gearing up for practice for their final preseason game against the San Francisco 49ers this coming Friday. We'll try to keep you in the loop with any breaking news that happens there. But until then, Dan and I want to obviously recap what took place in the week two game against the New Orleans Saints. Improvements that were made, improvements that need to be made off of that game as we head into the final preseason game of the season. But before we jump into all of that, Dan Wilkinson, as always, how are you, sir? I'm good. I'm good. Tuesday, August 22nd. Uh, great day to be alive. Uh, fun episode today. Uh, we get to dive into, like Jake said, key takeaways, top performers, areas of concern, some storylines that are continuing, roster training camp and battles heating up. Uh, but I'm doing great, Jake. How are you? It's a Tuesday. <laughs> Jake, after flushing the pessimism out and only giving us optimism on this Tuesday, I love it. I'm a man in many words. <laughs> Delve into the human thesaurus that is Jake Hefner. <laughs> All right, Dan. So, obviously, what we saw from the second preseason game, Chargers versus the Saints. Uh, I don't know what you call it. A roller coaster you know, some admirable moments for some key players. Uh, Easton Stick played the entirety of the game. Definitely not one of his better moments to be had for a full-blown game that he was featured in. Um, but still, a lot to take away in terms of things that we didn't see that we were hoping to see from week one and things that we actually did get a chance to see a nice of that we were hoping to see come week two. So where would you like to start? Well, uh, I think overall... You know, uh, it was a little bit more of a roller coaster outing, uh, at least in terms of feelings and production, positive and negative. Um, and I think this is me personally. I think the roller coaster was kind of steered by a one Easton stick. I know he had a couple gritty, you know, touchdowns, the one at the end of the first half, and then he had one in the fourth quarter as well. But I think there's a lot of ups and downs from Easton Stick like that trickled through the rest of the, the playmakers, especially on offense, where you weren't able to see as much as you would have liked. But that being said, like there were still a ton of guys who played very, very well. You know, I think Thule had a great game. Chris Rump continued to do Chris Rump things. You saw Quentin Johnston hauling everything went to his way. Jordan McFadden, the rookie offensive lineman, balled out. You saw some UDFAs play really well. Can't forget Deion Henley, who had arguably the best game of all players in that game. Interior defensive line guys looked really good. John Clark, Clark, Scott Matlock, uh, Isaiah Spiller looked good. Stone Smart, I thought, really kind of separated himself a little bit there. Uh, firmly in the tight end three mix camp battle. But then he saw some kind of folks come down to earth. Uh, Elijah Dotson had a couple key drops, didn't necessarily do much in the run game, had one pretty good uh, 
rush up the middle at the beginning of the game uh, or beginning of his tenure in the game. But otherwise, like, I think uh, Jazir Taylor had a bit of an up and down game. Um, we talked about Easton Stick. Um, JT Woods had a pretty solid game as well. But otherwise, I think, um, you know, there were a bunch of great performances. As much as it felt like it was up and down, I think that was because of the quarterback play. But again, that's why he's QB2-3. This is a great learning experience for him. But overall, I felt the rookies and the defense really impressed. And I don't want to forget J.K. Scott, the punt god. Booming kicks. Uh, he was working. Five-second hang. I think it was like 4.9-second hang times on five punts. Uh, had like a 50-yard average per attempt. Like, the guy was booming it. So, overall, again, I thought it was a big day for this Chargers team in a lot of ways. And they probably left a one quarterback by the name of Easton Stick in there to kind of fight through some of this. And I think, you know, you want to give him those reps. He really hasn't had many of those. And so I think this is a valuable learning experience for him. Uh, Put the team in a position to win at the end. But those drops, again, we've mentioned from Elijah Dawson towards the end, kind of sealed it. So those are a ton of guys that I mentioned. But I think top performers, those were the ones I would say. I think I tweeted this out. But Dayon Henley, Stone Smart, JT Woods, Taewon Mullen, and J.K. Scott were my top performers. Honorable mentions, go to Scott Batlock, 2-2-2, and Dean Leonard. Don't look now. But Dean Leonard's looking like he's improving quite a bit. In year two, Jake, what were kind of your key takeaways, either player or themes? The offensive line did not help do Easton Stick many favors. Um, you want to single out some players that improved, maybe needed an improvement. It's interesting how the dynamic went because you mentioned Jordan McFadden, who did not have the best week one performance, rebounded with a nice performance in this game. And then Austin Pleasance, who I thought had a good week one performance regressed dramatically in this game. So Zion Johnson, Jamari Sawyer, uh, uh, you had obviously mentioned McFadden. All of those guys got positive grades as it related to their overall performances, but it just seemed like the Saints were bulldozing through that offensive line so often. Easton Stick was under pressure. It really felt like a majority of the game, obviously, he had his two interceptions, the fumble uh, that got turned over uh, by the Saints, and he could just never really get into too much of a rhythm. And like you said, had to grit through it. Uh, it was an impressive two-minute drive, much like the one that he put together at the end of week one, scoring at the end of the first half in that game, was able to, to pull through and score on his own accord at the end of the half in this particular game. But the offensive line definitely needed some improvement. And we're talking specifically the backups here. So we're we're talking about the likes of the Austin Pleasants, the Foster Sorrells, the Brennan Hymases of the world that need to, you know, did not have the best game. So you would hope to see that come back and be more on a positive note as we head into the final preseason game of the season. Dan Quinn Johnston, when we were doing the live show on Sunday, you know, did he have a touchdown? No. But in terms of everything that was thrown to him, there was, no, there was no drops in this game. So mentally, I didn't care really what the stat line was for Quentin Johnson. I just felt that him going into this game personally after even scoring a touchdown, but those first three or four targets that he got against the Rams just were not the best outing for him. And, and internally, you could tell and you could probably figure that he wanted to rebound off of that. So I felt 
good about what I saw from him. JT Woods. You got to tip your, your cap to JT Woods. He, that's two weeks now in a row that he has looked impressive in coverage and against the run. And not it perfect. does make it not perfect. Not perfect. It's, it's definitely far from a, a flawless performance. But in terms of what you want to see out of JT Woods and some of the biggest criticisms that were about him in terms of tackling goes, those have started to show their signs of improvement, not only in practice, but now two weeks straight in preseason games. And especially when we're talking about a safety position now that thankfully, as of today, Alohi Gilman returned to practice. And so you get a little bit more, oh, and Mark Webb as well. So you get a little bit more stability at that safety position. But JT Woods for a guy who wasn't featured in much of the defense last year. And when he was featured, it just seemed like the game was too fast for him at that time. It really seems like he's getting a firm grip on it right now. So it's nice to see that, especially when you could probably think just based off of his athleticism, depending on the package, that Staley's going to want to feature him somewhere, somehow. Not as a full-time starter, but he's going to want to feature him. So he's going to have a spot in this defense for sure. Um, and Dan, you mentioned the, the rest of the defenders. Deion Henley just was flying everywhere was an absolute menace. The play where he came in on the linebacker blitz, which ultimately ended up resulting in a sack, was just something to admire. That That's the type of stuff that Dayon Henley brings to it when he's on the defensive side of the field, not just special teams. But Dayon Henley obviously was the standout performer. What, what is it, nine tackles that he ended up having, Dan, for that game? You had mentioned Thule. It was funny. I was watching the game, and towards the end of the first quarter, I was... I can't, I can't remember exactly the play that took place right before Henley gets through with the beautiful pressure that he went through. But I was literally speaking to the TV and I was looking at, at 45 because there was a play that had just been ran that totally just looked like he went the total opposite direction on the run to, to miss the tackle. And so I was thinking, just like, oh man, that was just, just an unfortunate angle. And then the very next play, Trevor Penny, whoop, gets in there right on the pressure. It's just a beautiful... Whooped. Beautiful move by Thule. So it was a nice response from him after after that uh, that miss angle that he took. Uh, Christopher Hinton, guys along that interior defensive line. Scott Matlock, as you mentioned, Dan. So those those are the positives. Outside of that, as much as fans would probably want to say that they would love to get the same 216-yard run game performance they had against the Rams, unfortunately, that didn't end up happening. The Saints clogged up the Chargers' run lanes very, very often. And what was it, the final stat, Dan? I think it was just over 50 yards on, I think, 15 carries that they were able to muster for the game. So definitely not the same type of performance that we got in week one. So you would hope heading into the final preseason game, especially when we're talking about guys like Elijah Dotson and how logjam this running back group is that you would want to see just just the preseason end on a positive note for them. Yeah, so we're going to get into kind of the themes and storylines and players for both offense and defense uh, one at a time. We'll go offense first, then we'll go defense uh, and special teams, I guess, on that note. But before we get to that, let's talk about our friends over at Mint Mobile. We'll be back in 48 seconds to talk about the offensive side of the ball specifically. 
If you've ever thought, why in the world is my wireless bill so damn high? Then let me tell you about our friends over at Mint Mobile who we're partnering with for today's video. Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for as low as $15 a month, and you don't have to sacrifice any coverage, speed, or data. They're built on the nation's largest 5G network, so they keep costs low by selling directly to you online. They cut out the retail stores and the salespeople. All Mint Mobile plans include unlimited nationwide talk and text, plus lightning fast 5G and free mobile hotspot. So why should you have to pay for more than you have to to access the same network. It only takes 15 minutes to switch and you'll be paying as low as $15 a month for your phone plan. It really is that simple. So use the link in the description below, trymintmobile.com backslash chargers unleashed to get started. Click the link in the description below or scan the QR code. All right. So let's turn on offense. And we kind of mentioned some of the high level names and kind of key themes, if you will, but let's kind of dig into detail a bit. Uh, we mentioned Easton Stick kind of had an up and down game, twenty one for forty one, two hundred and thirty three yards. A lot of those stats though came are, are kind of covering up some things. Like there was that hail mary thirty something yard throw at the end of the game that was, was complete f- on fourth down, fourth fourth and twenty three. <laughs> yeah. So again, but uh, you know, passer rating or quarterback rating, excuse me, forty eight point one, not great in comparison. Jameis Winston and Jake Hayner each had over eighty four quarterback rating. So 48 compared to 84 or higher uh, rushing. Again, you mentioned it. If you exclude Easton sticks, seven carries for 63 yards and two touchdowns, which is good. Uh, Isaiah Spiller, five for 27, 5.4 yards per carry. Elijah Dotson, six for just 21 yards. Joshua Kelly, four for just nine yards. So didn't really see much from Dotson or Kelly. Isaiah Spiller looked good and Jake don't look now. Isaiah Spiller is the fifth best running grade amongst all running backs in the NFL through two weeks. Pretty good. Not bad. Not bad. Not bad. Uh, wide receivers. Again, this kind of, this is one of the gripes that I had about the Easton stick performance or just the overall offensive passing game production was because of that. You didn't get to see some production from the guys you needed to. Like you saw Keelan Doss got three catches, 42 yards. Quentin Johnson, you mentioned three targets, three catches, 37 yards. Uh, looked good. Stone Smart, I think, had a pretty good game. Four catches, 32 yards. Darius Davis, three catches on three targets. But some of the guys I think I wish I would have liked to see more of. Pokey Wilson, John Hightower, Joshua Kelly, all those guys got just one target. Donald Parham wasn't targeted once. Unfortunately, Elijah Dotson, three targets, zero catches. And I think I would have liked to see what we could have gathered from a wide receiver six battle. I don't think there was anything to take away from this. Keelan Doss, I think, had more production, clearly, than John Hightower, but I don't necessarily know if Keelan Doss is the guy that they would want to have archetype-wise to be wide receiver six. Like, there's a lot of guys they have that have that archetype. They don't have the speed like John Hightower, and they think they need that. So those are some of the stats. I think overall, stock up. Isaiah Spiller, Quentin Johnston, Stone Smart, I think are probably the three that I would give to. Stock equal would probably be John Hightower. Um, Joshua Kelly is probably in that. Uh, Stock down, I would probably say Easton Stick-ish, Elijah Dotson, probably Donald Parham with a crucial drop that would have been a sure touchdown. Um, The tight end as a whole, just, again, Gerald Everett didn't play. But tight end two, three, four, five, six, just like they Stone Smart, honestly, looked the best out of all of them. So I think Donald Parham has a higher ceiling, so he's probably tight end two, but 
I think Trey McKinney's job is on the line right now. And I think Stone Smart is making it awfully difficult for this team to not have him on the 53. Dan, I said this weeks ago before camp started. We were potentially looking at any other free agent additions for this team. And outside of what we were thinking at the time in terms of it possibly being a free safety to pair next to Derwin James, the other position that came up was tight end because the Chargers really still need blocking tight end help with this unit. As much as we would like to laud Gerald Everett and Donald Parham for their receiving capabilities, the back end in terms of what Trey McKitty and Stone Smart brings, not only as receivers, but as blockers as well, is still something to, let's just say, be rectified. Uh, and I don't know if that's going to happen. And what we talked about on the, sh- on the live show on Sunday, just hours before the kickoff, I can't remember if it was, it was you that brought it up, Dan, or if it was a question that we got in the comments, but it was basically related to Trey McKitty's hot seat. And I said, are you talking about like over the next couple of weeks before the regular season? To which your response was yes, in terms of whether or not he makes this team. <laughs> I, would say right, I would say right now, you kind of got to fire up that idea of keeping an eye on other teams tight ends who are released mm-hmm. over the next couple of weeks. And that is the good thing about this little adjustment to the preseason, because obviously you have the preseason that ends the final game this week, and then you essentially have a preseason bye before the NFL regular season. So it does give you a good chunk of time to really evaluate what your roster brings. And in terms of the tight end position, Dan, as you said, obviously, Gerald Everett, Donald Parham, tight end one and two. Yes, they're going to be your best receiving options at tight end. But the Chargers really need some blocking help in the tight end department. For and, reference, Jake, to, to, I agree with you. Not a single Chargers tight end in all of the NFL through two preseason games. Not a single one of them showed up in the top 100 possible tight ends in pass blocking grades. Jamie Kitty was the best one at 107th in the NFL for tight ends. Like I didn't when I first saw that, I'm like, I didn't realize 107 tight ends played <laughs> during preseason, let alone they're making that poorly. But then in run blocking, only one Donald Parham in the 50-ish range in the top 100. So in both pass and run blocking, only one tight end showed up in the top 100 of all tight ends in either category. Like that's not good. And that pretty much is just evidence to what you're saying about we need better blocking from the tight end. Pretty, pretty much tells you what you need to know. Um, so yeah, don't be surprised if the Chargers target a tight end to bring in from someone else cutting from their team. Uh, outside of that, Dan, you had actually made a post about, uh, or a tweet about this. Um, I think it was shortly after the game. It was unfortunate because I know a lot of people were looking forward to seeing John Hightower play, especially after mer- missing the first preseason game after he was nursing his injury, coming back. And unfortunately, really none of his lack thereof performance on the stat sheet really has anything to do with him. It unfortunately had to deal with the poor quarterback play. And Easton Stick didn't have much time to throw. And when he did throw, it wasn't necessarily the most accurate. And you're being so kind. <laughs> let's 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 just yeah leave it at that. Uh, but I wanted to transition because you had mentioned Keelan Doss, 
and obviously he was a favorite of sticks in terms of targets in that first half of last week's preseason game against the Rams. He was heavily featured, obviously got positive grades for this game. Do you think all things considered, like you said, Keelan Doss doesn't necessarily get that, you know, match that archetype of what the chargers are necessarily going for in terms of having speed weapons. And when we watch in practice, it's John Hightower being the one that's, coming away with the better performances. But based off of what we've seen from two preseason games, is there any notion in your head right now that it's essentially Keelan Doss's roster spot to lose if the Chargers end up keeping six wide receivers? No, and I'm actually far from it. Good. Uh, I, do not, I do not think that Keelan, uh, Keelan Doss is wide receiver six. I don't think he will be. Uh, has he, you know, production-wise through preseason games? Sure. I think he's probably got the edge there. But he... This is not meant to be disrespectful, but he is yet another high four five forty wide receiver for this Chargers team, and the Chargers don't need that. They have plenty of those, like Mike Williams, Quentin, not Quentin Johnson, excuse me, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Josh Palmer. All three of those guys are in like a similar archetype than what you're seeing with him, Darius Davis. Speed. Quentin Johnston, speed. I don't think Keelan Doss gives them any other type or threat that they don't already have. Whereas John Hightower 100% does. Like, th- think about think about the plays that you can see in a game that are drawn up for these receivers. What play is being drawn up for Keelan Doss that wouldn't be already taken up by Josh Palmer or Mike Williams or Keenan Allen or Quentin Johnston. Whereas John Hightower's job plays drawn up for him. It seems to me like it's either Darius Davis, which would probably be behind him in the depth chart in wide receiver specifically Quentin Johnston. Maybe Mike Williams. If you're just saying deep shot in general, but in my eyes, I think it all. I think it's going to be John Hightower or Jalen Guyton. If Jalen Guyton starts with the PUP list, I think it's John Hightower. If not, it's going to be Jalen Guyton and John Hightower battling it out. And right now, you don't know what Jalen Guyton is. You know what he was, but he hasn't run full speed yet, let alone play into practice. So, to me, you hear a lot of Keelan Doss. I don't think so. I think it's going to be John Hightower or Jalen Guyton. Or maybe I would agree. Or three I... somewhere else. Yeah, I 100% agree with you on the high tower aspect. I get it. Keelan Doss has been the more productive wide receiver as it relates to the preseason games. Uh, but as you said, if the Chargers are going for that archetype of speed, which essentially after Jalen Guyton, John Hightower would be your next best option. And I'm glad you mentioned that because I was going to transition right into that. As we know, the whole reason we're having this conversation about the wide receiver six question mark is because Jalen Guyton hasn't been in practice. But but he has he has been... Notice on the practice field, working lightly, which usually means an indication that you're potentially close at some point to be removed off the pup list. We saw the but, same but like process. He's been he's been jogging and running with the team. Like, yeah, I mean, it's it's it's, it's light, better. It's light work at best. I'm not saying he's going through individual drills, but you saw the same type of process pan out for Austin Johnson before he ultimately ended up returning. So again, we don't have an exact timetable. We're not speculating on anything. So at this point, with 
really two and a half weeks before the regular season starts. There's no indication that he's going to be at full go at all. Didn't run during, didn't run or practice during OTAs or minicamp. So he spent a lot of time away from this team right now. So I'm with you. If if Jalen Guyton still is not ready by week one, starts the starts the year off on the pup list. I would still say your best option is John Hightower, 100%. Yep. Uh, I'm trying to think. Any other offensive player performances we want to talk about before we switch over the defense? I guess only one I have left would be Jordan McFadden. We talked about him briefly. 42 pass blocking snaps, zero pressures allowed. That's according to PFF. Um, otherwise, any other offensive players that deserve a shout-out, positive or negative? No, you just, you would have hoped, I was actually kind of looking forward to possibly seeing Max Duggan in there a little bit, but I understand why Staley ultimately kept him in, kept a stick in the game for that. And we already kind of touched on the offensive lines in terms of guys that responded, i.e. the Jordan McFadden's of the world, um, Jamari Sawyer's of the world, but then guys regressed that you would hope in terms of guys that are vying for that backup offensive line spots, the Austin Pleasants, the Brendan Hymas, the Foster Sorrells, you'd hope to see a better outing from them as we close out the preseason this week. Yeah, I would agree. And honestly, I don't even know if we're going to see Max Duggan in week three. Like, uh, realistically, like, re- like realistically, I mean, like we, we probably, I hope we do. But like, realistically, if you think about like the Chargers and like what they would need, like, let's say, heaven forbid, something happens to Justin Herbert, like, it's Easton Stick right now. At least I think it is. At least that's what they're pointing towards. But, like, who knows? Like, maybe they're just, I don't know. Maybe, I don't know how they're going to handle the QB3 thing, I guess is what I'm getting at. I don't know. Like, is that, do you think it's possible that he doesn't play? I, I think that they, they will play him the second half of this co- upcoming preseason game. I think that there was, I think there was a, I think, I don't believe that this was the plan by Brandon Staley to keep sticking there the entirety of the game. I think that this yeah. was, decided after the rough first half that we had. And as the game went on, they kind of just took that direction and it was kind of on an as needed basis. And they ultimately made that decision. So uh, yeah, I think it'll be much more the traditional, what you saw from week one, Easton stick plays the first half, Max Duggan plays the second half and close out the preseason. Got it. Okay. Uh, switching over to the defense. And I think this is probably the more fun conversation because I think the defense has played very well. Uh, over these past two games, especially considering what the offense has given them, especially in week two. Uh, let's start this off. We have to. You mentioned Dan Henley at the top. Uh, Dan Henley was given the green dot, Jake, as a rookie in his second NFL game and falled out. He had, there was two plays, unfortunately. One where he didn't really have what you could do. There was the, the throw on the wheel route to the running back that he just, it was just a better throw, better catch. Which, first of all, it was ridiculous in the fact that he was even still that close with the running back when that catch was made. It's like, traditionally, running back against linebacker, the running back's going to win that nine times out of ten, and the opposing defender is going to be, you know, one or two steps behind him. (laughs) Dayon Henley, to me, was just right with him. It was just a perfectly thrown ball, and it was a great catch. And you were able to make a play on it, but Deion Henley stuck with him that entire time. It's just unfortunate that it ended up going for a positive net play. Yeah, but Dan Henley was all over. Special teams, he was there. Defense and coverage, he was there. In the backfield, he was there. Uh, was one of the, I believe he was one of the top five 
uh, graded players for the Chargers uh, this in this game per PFF, if I remember right. I could be wrong. Um, actually, let me just check that real fast before I screw that up. Uh, yes, he was ranked number three overall defense per PFF, 75.5 grade. Um, number one graded player on defense, Jake, overall. Number 33. We had him on the show last week. Dean Leonard. Dean Leonard looks pretty darn good. Wow. I was I was impressed by that. I was really impressed by his performance. You piggyback that off of his impressive week one performance. Again, we're just talking about limited snaps here. But Dean Leonard, much like Shear Taylor, have made a point of proving that they are not just core special teams players. And to see this from two second-year quarterback cornerbacks this fast, it, it really is just it's a testament to not only their mentality, their mindset, but you could also see the player development coming into it from the coaching staff with this. So it was nice to see another consecutive week of Dean Leonard impressing out there in the secondary. Yep. Dean Leonard looked good. Uh, so did Taewon Mullen. Taewon Mullen was all over the place. Do you wish you would have caught that interception again? Like that should have been an interception. I think Brandon Staley mentioned it at the podium. He talked about a couple drops from the DBs, but Taewon Mullen making a name for himself. Cam Brown still doing Cam Brown things. Uh, he's been excellent in coverage. And so I think overall, you're hearing a lot of cornerback talk from these young guys. And I think you're seeing kind of the depth kind of come to fruition from the corners. And it'll be interesting to see how they round out this bottom of the cornerback group. You know who the top four are? JC Jackson, Mike Davis, Asante Samuel Jr. Who's the four? I'm missing. Jazir Taylor, excuse me. Uh, five. Probably, I think it's in, I think it's guaranteed is going to be Dean Leonard. If they go six, who is it? You got Cam Brown, you got Tywan Mullen. I mean, Hall's now hurt. That's tough, Dan. That's tough. Um, if I would side with anybody, Hankins, by the way, who they just signed. I would probably side with Cam Brown. I just think that he's been a little bit more consistent, especially his performance last week. I think he only gave up 19 yards and the coverage grades that he had was very positive. Uh, took a little bit of a dip this week, but still um, didn't dip too far. And I thought his performance was admirable out there. So regressed a little bit, but not too much. I, so I think if I was to talk about guys that have started to put it together consistently, if we were ultimately going to be saying, okay, that there is going to be a sixth corner that the Chargers are going to be keeping, I'd probably say that he's got the edge, but not by much. I would agree. Uh, let's stick with the secondary. We talked about JT Woods. My goodness. Uh, I posted about this earlier today, actually, but the transformation and the development from him year one to year two is insanity. Uh, I'm going to give you grades per PFF last year. And we'll compare those to this year. Last year, PFF, defensive grade, 29.3. That's very, very bad. This year, 77.8. That's in the green. Run defense, last year, 32.0. Red, very bad. This year, 72.3. Green, good. Last year, tackling, 29.6. This year, 81.5. That's almost blue. Coverage, last year. 36 red this year, 76 green. Now, not perfect. You saw him miss on a wide receiver screen, bad angle this past game. You saw a boneheaded penalty week one. 
but the good has far outweighed the bad. And you simply could not say that last year. It wasn't even close. JT Woods looks like he's more confident. Looks like he has it more understood. Looks like he's thinking less. Using his athleticism. Again, not perfect. But for a player that was drafted so high and who didn't look great his first year, second year JT Woods, much better. Yeah, and JT Woods was actually one of the most targeted players in the Chargers secondary for this game. Five targets, two receptions that he allowed for 40 yards. One of basically the bulk of the yardage came on one particular throw. But when you see JT Woods moving around out there, he just looks so much more confident. And in terms of all the things that we wanted to see that we needed to see, from JT Woods, the knock on him from college that ultimately needed to improve. Again, we're not talking about a zero to 100 bounce back here. We know that he's not going to come into week one as the starter, but in terms of a guy who's going to be a ro- rotational reserve piece for that safety position, the things that you've seen from him over the last two weeks have been very, very positive when it has come to tackling and especially when it's come to his pass rush, uh, pass coverage grade that he is putting on out there, like you said, just looks so much more comfortable and confident out there playing football. And it's good to see, even in a even just in a one-year turnaround. It's, it's awesome. Yep. Uh, let's talk about the defensive line as a whole. And I think there are storylines for both the edge group and the interior group. Um, I think the edge group is really starting to show something. And that was a huge concern that the Chargers have had and that fans have had, critics have had, was how good the edge group can be behind the top two, behind Bosa, behind Mac. So far during camp, edge group or during camp and preseason edge group has looked pretty darn good. And the depth has looked pretty darn good. Obviously you talked about Chris Rumpf who has continued his preseason success this year as well. Tuli Tupelotu has looked good. Angie Farmer has looked good. Ty Shelby has looked good. Not bad. Not bad. Like, I think the edge group, depth-wise, may be less of a concern and more of a strength than maybe we think. Now, again, this could be optimistic, Dan. Maybe too early, too soon. But they've looked pretty good. Like, the waves that they've brought in on the edge so far have looked good to where, let's say Chris Rump can make that leap. They could possibly be four deep at the edge position. If we're including him and Tuli Tupelotu, which Tuli looks like the truth, man. So if Chris Rumpf can be like the edge four and there is a massive drop off, like that's not bad. Not bad. Dan, a, a name that to me, I don't think we've has been talked about enough because yeah, you saw him perform a little bit in week one, but he kept it a little it consistent in week two is Carlo Kemp. Mm, yes, Carlo Kemp call. has put together two nice preseason games in terms of his overall performance. And Dan, CJ Okoye getting the top grade in terms of pass rush. What? <laughs> what? I mean, I know we're talking about a limited amount of snaps here, but we're talking about also talking about a guy who's barely played football in his entire career. And not only is it a feel good story, but if the Chargers ultimately end up keeping CJ Okoye, he does not count, mind you, against that 53 man final roster. I can't remember exactly how it's stash, but it's underneath the international player program in terms of where they're at. 
to my recollection, Dan. Um, but another great performance from him, not necessarily a sack, but in terms of what he was able to do uh, in getting after the quarterback, still nice to see from a guy who's barely played any football in his life. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. He's, he's glowing up right before our eyes. Uh, and then let's keep on that interior train. Gerard Clark looked good. Scott Matlock looked good. Yes. Scott Matlock had the, had the field goal block didn't count because of a stupid penalty, but Scott Matlock looks like a, <laughs> like a truck. Uh, you saw him kind of spread out at wide or saw him go, uh, not vertically, horizontally across the line of scrimmage uh, to make a couple tackles for loss or one tackle for loss and a couple of tackles. Scott Matlock, you're going to hear his name a ton this season. Talk about a find. I think he's a steal. Yeah. Let's not forget when, when Scott Matlock was drafted, I remember watching the ESPN broadcast at that point in time and Mel Kuyper, when Chargers took him, he was basically going off and saying, like, I had Scott Matlock rated a lot higher than where he ended up going. I'm surprised he fell this fall, this far. And you could just already see this. This was a game where it was nicely featured for Matlock because Matlock was getting in, into the backfield, showing off his athleticism. Dan, as you had mentioned, blocked a field goal that ultimately didn't count. But still, it was a good game for Scott Matlock. And just in general, you just take the rookie class of the Chargers this year. Maybe outside of Jordan McFadden, who obviously came to play in this game, but you go start going down the list in Quentin Johnston, Tuli Tulipolotu, Dayon Henley, Darius Davis, Jordan McFadden, Scott Matlock, and obviously Max Duggan is going to play because he's the quarterback. And then UDFAs. That's an impressive group that is already starting to contribute to this early in a preseason. So and you heard and you, and you heard Brandon Stanley talk about like production being a theme of all the guys that were drafted. Like these guys were proven production. And it looks like it's translating to the field. Good early signs from this draft class. Yes. You mentioned special teams a bit earlier. Uh, J.K. Scott looks great. You actually saw Dustin Hopkins out there making a field goal. Good for him. Uh, I don't think it changes much. I think early off the press, Eric Smith, uh, Cameron Dicker, only kicker today, hit all four field goals at camp. Shake, he's now 62 of 68. Good lord, he needs to miss like ten straight to get down to the number that we have from uh, Justin Hopkins. So I'm curious when is. I mean, we'll see. But uh, <laughs> the kicking situation looks like it's pretty well set in stone at this point. Um, excellent coverage, both punt and kick return for uh, the coverage team. Shout out Ryan Ficken, man. You are a genius. We all love you. <laughs> uh, what you're seeing there, Darius Davis got a kick return for like 30-something yards to this, this week, I believe. Uh, you saw more action from Darius Davis on offense as well, which was good. Feels great to not worry about special teams. There was a one muff by Darius Davis. Again, that kind of comes with territory. Uh, Brandon said he talked about after the podium. That's one thing that you want to work with. It's like fundamentals. I think the instincts and athleticism ooze. I think the return fundamentals is probably the part that they're working on. Uh, Sub to monitor, but not really worried about it. So those are all the, I guess, player performances. I think the 
last part, Jake, is for us to kind of talk about kind of themes, battles, and what to look forward to in game number three against Niners this Friday, which is already just three days away. Before we bounce into that, Dan, correction on what I was mentioning about CJ Okoye. He doesn't count, so let's just say he's he does not make the final 53. The Chargers put him on the practice squad. They don't. Ha- he actually does not count numerically against the practice squad in terms of the overall 16-player practice squad that you can keep because of the okay. IPP exception squad. All right. Yes, excuse me. I said final roster. I meant to say practice squad. So the Chargers can essentially keep him while also rostering someone else because of that exception. So I, I, I don't see how you can honestly cut a guy after he's done what he's done. Even again, I know we're talking about the international player program here, but still it's just um, cut from the 53 or for the practice squad. No, just like totally let him walk. Don't even bring him back in the practice squad. I don't see there's, oh, there's okay. any way that the chargers at least do not keep him uh, on, on the practice squad. So, but jumping now into what Dan was talking about in terms of expectations for this 49ers game, player position battles. Dan, I got an interesting one for you. And it may just be by default because we really don't think that the Chargers are going to keep a huge cachet of linebackers on this group. And when you have guys like Eamon Ogmaniba and Nick Neiman who have familiarity with this defense and are core special teams players, but Blake Lynch has been a guy that has actually shown out really nicely in two consecutive preseason games at the linebacker position, had a sack in week one, had a nice performance again in week two. What do you see the linebacker room? Obviously, you have your starters in Kendricks and Murray, Deion Henley right behind him. That's probably going to rotate in for some starting snap at, at some point in time. Nick Neiman's still there. Nick Neiman, Amen. that's already five. Yeah. Is Blake Lynch just going to be one of those unfortunate odd man out considering? Yeah, I think so. Now, again, this is a, also a guy who is familiar with Coach Howard from their time in Minnesota. So has familiarity with Eric Kendricks as well. So he's not just somebody off the street. This guy has put in some NFL time and has looked pretty damn good since wearing a Chargers uniform in the first couple of preseason games. So... Yeah, you I, think think it's, it's just, I think it's Amon's. Yeah, I think I think it's Amon's job to lose. I would I would unfortunately agree with you just because it's an, it's an, it's a numbers game. I, I still don't see how this team walks away from the familiarity with Neiman and Amon and, and what they've already contributed at that role. We know that they've always really been high with Amon at that position, um, and unfortunately, yeah, Blake Blake Lynch just may be the odd man out. But he could land on the practice squad. It could be a practice squad thing. Funny that we're talking about a position that a couple months ago we were talking about the questions of depth. But now that Kenneth Murray has just seemed like he has come to play and Deion Henley starting off fast and furious as a rookie, you feel a little bit more confident at that position. Yes, and we'll monitor the Nick Neiman injury. Um, I think he's actually, I think he's back in practice today. So I think it's probably going to be it's probably Eamon and Blake Lynch is probably going to be a practice squad guy. Um, all right, let's go through a quick storylines camp battles. Uh, I think tight end three is a camp battle right now. And it's a camp battle between the current roster and guys that might get cut by the time it gets from other teams from the 53. Uh, so tight end three is another one. Um, RB2 is a camp battle to watch. I'm telling you. 
and and it might be two A two B when it's all said and done. Like it might not really matter. But Isaiah Spiller to me is RB two, and unfortunately, oh. I think the Isaiah Dotson train is kind of left the station a bit, um, unless he does something just absolutely ballistic in game number three. Wide receiver six, another one, and again. I've planted my flag. I think it's John Hightower's job to lose right now, especially if Jalen Guyton is not healthy. Um, let's see. What other ones? Cornerback six, safety four. Those are ones to look for. Anything else? No, I, line, maybe? I, the interior defensive line would probably be the next one that I go to with. I mean, and it's, it's really, again, unfortunate. You try to do this 53-man roster in your head and think about, okay, how many interior defensive linemen are you really going to keep and what is that going to take away from, from the rest of the roster? Because we had plenty of questions of people coming in, obviously riding the Elijah Dotson train. And if the Chargers were realistically going to keep four running backs, where does that mean that you're going to be sacrificing elsewhere on your team? Yep. Jake, I, hot I, off the press. Hot off the press. Not to make this any more interesting. Let's hear it. Chargers sign former Giants linebacker Tay Crowder. Started 17 games for the Giants last in 2021. 130 tackles, two interceptions. So the linebacker group it's is now, a little bigger. <laughs> just as we were talking about the log jam at linebacker, that is... Fantastic timing. Yes. So uh, those are all the camp battles. Are there any other camp battles that you can think of? No, again, it is it is tough. And it's funny, Dan, because now I just read this from, from Popper. That my, I'm not sure exactly what happened because now I just see that Blake Lynch was not practicing today. Wonder if this is a corresponding move for that. Mm-hmm. Not sure. Who knows? We'll keep tabs on that. Um, now, the, the defensive, the interior defensive line would probably be the one that I would say is really going to be a pain to try to figure out, considering who you know your starters are, who you know your immediate depth guys are going to be behind that. But in terms of the other contributors and guys that we have seen contribute in the preseason, we still don't know what the status of Tito's return time is. As of right now, he has not come back to the practice field. I have not seen anything of him on the rehab field. Nothing in terms of doing light work. So there really is no timetable for him. You get Austin Johnson back, which is a huge win, obviously. But how many of these guys are going to stick around? Could the absence of Tito pave the way for Gerard Clark to be on the roster early? Who knows? How many interior defensive linemen do the Chargers end up keeping considering how much they know that injuries and depth and overall poor performance really put them in a hole against the run game last year. So do you go on air on the side of caution and try to pad that position a little bit more with having additional players? I don't know, but all I know is you try doing your 53 man roster at home and come back and tell me if it doesn't give you a headache because it should. (laughs) I agree. And and honestly, a quick look at Tay Crowder. Like, I don't see him being anything more than a camp body. Honestly, Uh, I think had a ton of snaps in 2021. Not that they were really good. Uh, I think 
again, uh, this seems like a camp body, maybe practice squad, but I think he might be on something with the Blake Lynch or there may be an injury to the linebacker spot at some point. I hadn't um, heard anything from him. From maybe special from teams the, from the, from the game. I'm not sure. I'm just kind of reading the tea leaves. Maybe there sure. is something corresponding with it or not. Who knows? We'll find it. This is the beauty of live tweeting that you hear from chargers practice in the middle of a podcast. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But, but just like for listeners, viewers uh, looking at take Crowder, uh, according to PFF again, this is just PFF. So take with great salt. But uh, last year, Defensive grade, run defense, tackling, and coverage, and pressure, all orange or red colors. So not great. Uh, 2021, only only green color he had was in tackling. Uh, so I guess that's stock up in that regard. But uh, this isn't on the same level as some of the guys that are linebacker one, two, three, or 4 currently on this team. So uh, we'll be getting into previewing the game against the 49ers. Not quite sure when, where, or how, but we'll get to it. Uh, Jake, anything else I want to tell the great friends before we get out of here? I know we went a little long, but it was overdue. Well, I like how you mentioned that we, we're going to get into the preview of the 49ers. Yeah, we just don't know when. Well, at least we know it's going to be before Friday. <laughs> we, we, know that, we know that much. So be on the lookout for that. <laughs> yes. Uh, for Jake Hefner, Dan Wolkenstein, Chargers Unleashed, and LA Football Network. Uh, lots of storylines continue. We'll see roster battles heat up, and we'll see final decisions being made. Jake, I'm getting the, the finger nod from you. One last thought from Jake Hefter. Dan, cannot forget that when the preseason is over and during the bye week of the preseason, before the NFL Week 1 officially kicks off, mm-hmm. there is something that's taking place during the off week, if you will, for the NFL. Don't want, don't want anybody to forget, if you have not been following the Twitter page, make sure to do it as we have a huge event coming up in Anaheim, the Bolt Show. A number of Chargers fans will be in attendance, as will Dan and myself. And Chargers players. What did I say? Chargers fans, which is all. Oh, yes. Sorry, I meant to say Chargers. I meant to say Chargers players, but it's also true. Yes, there there will be a number of Chargers fans in attendance for this. But uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter that it has all the information in terms of getting tickets for the event. It's essentially a huge signing event for the fans to come out. And there are plenty of Chargers players in attendance for you to get autographs from. Dan and I will not be one of those people. We will simply be covering it. So you don't have to worry about getting our signatures. No, please don't. (laughs) You don't want to see my signature anyways. But uh, make sure you do it because we will have a corresponding giveaway with this event from this event that we will be announcing soon. So keep eyes peeled for that as well. Yes, that'll be a fun one. And for folks who cannot attend live, you can also mail in things to get signed as well. Uh, so more details, like Jake said, is on our Twitter page. Go check it out. Uh, this has been fun. Jake, time to eat lunch or dinner, wherever we're at, or wherever you are in the world. Uh, again, Jake Hefner, Dan Wilkinstein, Charge the Leash. We'll talk to you next time. <laughs>